when we would meet in the kitchen to prepare, like we had just so many people who wanted to help. And it was just, I would leave that kitchen every week and be filled with joy. Like it was supernatural. They were, they were making a meal that they weren't even going to eat, but they, they, they all exuded such joy because I think just because that was the serving, the serving brings the joy. So the, and then I don't know, I don't know how God does it, but it's, 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 that's where you get the authority. Welcome to a One Life podcast. One Life, as you may or may not know, is a grassroots learning collective made up of equippers serving classes BC, Northwest, and Southeast in the Christian Reformed Church. By providing events and resources centered around the five foundational callings of the church, worship, faith formation, servant leadership, global mission, justice, and mercy. This week, once again, we are looking at the calling of servant leadership, and my guest today is Sharon Banstra. She has been an elder, the chair of council, and she is on staff at Terrace Christian Reformed Church in Terrace, BC, as community relations facilitator. She's worked with LDN, which is the Leadership Development Network, based out of Fleetwood Christian Reformed Church, headed up by Wilma Vanderleek, who is also the curator for servant leadership calling. And Sharon and I had a remarkable chat. Um, I loved so many things about our conversation, um, but the thing I probably liked the most was catching a glimpse of the vision that she was given by the Holy Spirit for this community space in Terrace, BC. I'm really excited for this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Well, uh, welcome once again to our to our listeners um, to another episode of the of a One Life podcast, and welcome also to you, my guest uh, Sharon Banstra. Um, you are community yeah. relations facilitator at Terrace Christian Reform Church, Terrace, BC. So you're coming to us from the Great White North. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> but but hopefully not very white. You did get a snowfall though, not too long ago. Yeah, we did, but now it's all green and sunny all again. All green and sunny again. That's what we yeah. like to hear. Awesome. <laughs> so the great, beautiful green and sunny north. Yes. Um, that's awesome. So so yes, Sharon Banstra, Community Relations Facilitator. Is that the title? That's at Terrace Christian Reformed Church. And you've been an elder. Um, you've also done some work with, with LDN. Um, and you have an exciting project that we're going to talk about as well that you've been working on through your church and um, really capture my imagination, and I think it will capture our listeners' imagination. So we're really excited to have you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's fun to talk to you. Let's talk a little bit about that journey then, your journey to being an elder, what that was like, um, and where that snowballed into your current job that you have now. Okay. Well, um, I don't even know how many years ago I've served a couple terms already as elder. Um, anyways, I became an elder in our church and it was the first woman elder at the time there had been women deacons already, but um, so that was a, a, a good journey, probably um, 
good and hard and, um, you know, hard for the, maybe for the other um, elders or, and, uh, and hard for me, but very, also very uh, rewarding, very exciting, very, uh, a lot of growth in my faith and in my journey and understanding, you know, how church works. And um, yeah, I just, it was a, a huge um, a growth in my, in my faith and in my life. So I think I was in my first term as being an elder, then, um, and I had no, no knowledge. And, and I'm sure I heard about LDN, but honestly, in my brain, I was like, that's for leaders. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't even pay attention at all. And um, then I was at a, um, at a, a wedding on the island. And my sister-in-law, who's friends with Wilma Vanderleek, um, said to me, oh, are you still an elder? And I said, yeah. And she took my hand and she grabbed me along and she said, you need to meet my friend Wilma and you two need to talk. And uh, so we sat down and chatted and she started sharing about LDN. And, um, and then we had a conversation when I went back home again and she sent me some, some stuff about LDN. And the, the, so it's broke up into three years. And then the very first year of, of LBN and what we were going to cover, like just resonated with me. And I was like, oh, um, maybe I can do this. And so in conversations with her, I, I was really apprehensive. And I didn't think I was intelligent enough to participate in LBN. And, uh, but we, my husband and I, we prayed about it. And, um, it was kind of a big deal because I would have to fly from Terrace to Vancouver to participate. And that seemed kind of ridiculous, you know, uh, not ridiculous, but it just seemed like an, it's not something you do. And, um, but it just felt like something we should do. And, and um, Sid totally supported it and um, encouraged me and, um, our pastor, Pastor Joel, um, I talked to him and he's like, I think you'll really love it. And I started doing it and I still miss it. And that's, I was, you know, been done for a few, quite a few years. And I, it, it was a phenomenal experience. That's awesome. That's yeah, that is so good to hear. And that coupled with um, being the first female elder in your church, I feel like, um, there's just so much there. I, I, I imagine, um, experience wise, difficulty wise. Um, and so, yeah. How did LDN equip you as a, as the first female elder? Well, that was, I mean, talk about timing. So, um, the very first thing we did in LDN was talking. Uh, I just remember that we talked about leadership styles and we did the, um, personality tests. And I just realized that um, everybody in, in leadership, we all had different personalities. And so, yeah, I just realized that everybody had a voice. And if I didn't use my voice, um, that wasn't right because my voice needed to be heard. But I also, when other people had used their voice and spoke how they saw it, that didn't make me wrong. It didn't make, you know, me right. It just, it just made a bigger picture of all of our different personalities. And, 
And that just so encouraged me. Like I just, I, you know, instead of thinking we had to convince each other, it was like we all saw it from our, our personalities, our giftings. And yeah, it was a beautiful, a beautiful beginning to LDN and a beautiful uh, part of, of growing as an elder and growing in, in working as a group. That's a good encouragement for me as well. Um, yeah, it reminds me of that passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about the body, right? And I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You know, they're, they're wildly different, but they're part of the same body. And um, yeah. that's a wonderful encouragement to me too in my ministry when you rub shoulders with people who are vastly different from you. And it feels like, yeah, it feels like a competition or like, you know, but when you can, when you can realize that maybe God has given each of you a, a unique angle for a unique reason, that can really open it up. So that's an encouragement to me too. I'm, I'm, uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you were, you were recently interviewed for a newspaper in Terrace yes, about yes. this new space. And this space came uh, uh, out of the Celebrate Recovery program. The, the seed for this space was planted and now it has grown. Uh, tell us about it. Well, first of all, it was the Holy Spirit um, moving and um, directing and, but the very last meeting that we had in June, um, our leader, Joy, asked, and it's in, that, it's in the last book at the end, it says, if you knew that you couldn't fail, what would you like to do most for God in helping others? And the whole group, like every person answered, and I don't know, like it was just phenomenal with their, their answers in that I just thought, wow, like, here is a group of leaders. Like, so there were things like, and they were all things for, you know, of course, outside themselves, like it was helping others. But so it was like people wanted to help those in sexual slavery, um, teach people to garden, community gardens, um, working with the homeless, um, just, just a variety of different things. Um, but they were very, uh, strong leadership um, uh, desires. And um, I just heard everyone and I'm like, wow, like, and they were for the community. So I was like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. And, and, and that's why I, like, it was just the Holy Spirit moving. Cause I'm not, I, I don't know how kind of how it happened. It just did. And one of the women that was co-leading Debbie who's a friend and not from our, our church, but sort of feels like she is. <laughs> but um, She had told me a couple of years ago about this building that was for sale at the time. She already had that kind of an idea or vision about what could happen in that space. Maybe. Um, so this is like a year and a half later. I'm like, whatever happened with that building? Like, um, and she said, yeah, I don't know. She said, um, well, I know the owners and I'll, I'll text her, the woman, and see. And I said, you know, I would just like to walk through there. And I'm just thinking that, you know, they would open the doors and Debbie and I would just casually scroll through. And, and, then, and then she arranged it and she said, oh, um, the, the owners, they'll meet you there. And, and I was like, oh, I, I just kind of want to walk through there. I don't want anything official. And and then um, I said, well, then maybe I should take Sid with me, my husband. And, and I don't even know why he said yes. <laughs> because it was, 
And so he came along and then Debbie and her husband came along and we looked through there and it had been for sale. They had taken it off the market um, for a, it was off the market for a while, a long time, like probably a year and a half. And then um, I walked through there and it was just like, I could just see, I could see this. I could see that, that the potential for the community, the, the, the town, the city, pre-COVID had a town hall meeting dealing with those experiencing homelessness and the problems businesses were having on Main Street because of that in, in July of that year. So a month after um, I looked at the building, the, they had another town hall meeting on Zoom. And I it was, you know how sometimes you hear something and it just resonates in your mind and in your heart. And mm. I just heard the mayor and town council saying, we are looking for solutions. We are looking for solutions. And, and you know, it's easy to point out to what the problems are because that's what, you know, people are experiencing. But I just heard a cry. I think it was from God. We need solutions. Yeah. And um, so then I, I, uh, I don't know if one thing led to the other. And mm -hmm. that building, um, when we contacted that man and he showed us that building two other people contacted him that very same week and wanted to buy the building he did end up um, selling it to one of them and then the very last day when it was signing all the all the all the conditions were off it actually all fell apart <laughs> so and so that whole process was such a faith journey uh, for me and for Debbie and for Sid. And we were like, you know what, if it falls through, if it, I, and, and it's weird because I actually had faith that it would, it could happen. But what I had to repent of was I had fear because I thought if it falls apart, if it could be available to us, would I actually dare? Like, yeah. and I was, I just had to repent. I was on my knees. I was like, God, I repent. I, I have fear. I have fear that, um, I, I don't know that I dare do this for you, like, or dare do it. What if I fail? I'm going to look stupid. What if, what if, what if? <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I got up, I talked to Debbie, um, called her on the phone and prayed with her and said, I just really need to repent of my fear and my I don't know what I all, I, you know, it was probably more I repented of. And um, 20 minutes later, the owner of that building texted me and said, can we meet? Because it looks like it's going to fall through. I'll know by midnight tonight, maybe let's meet for breakfast in the morning and I'll tell you where it's at. So Sid and I met him for breakfast. And, and then the journey of, of, of this, a real estate man came on board, um, uh, Rick. And he offered his services to, for free to help us buy the building, which he did. Wow. And it wouldn't have happened without him either. Like, and, um, and, then, and then in that process, we also met with the mayor. And she asked if the, uh, the chief administrative officer of the city could be part of that. And we're like, sure. So Rick, Debbie, and I went and had a conversation with her. We still didn't have the keys to the place, but it, we had made the offer. It wasn't final. 
we didn't have a plan, actually, like really, we had lots of thoughts and ideas. And um, anyway, she texted me after and said, you guys um, encouraged my soul, you know, and um, we're like, wow, like, because we didn't even have a plan. But it was just, I think it was just hope, you know, hope yeah. and, and um Anyways, one thing led to another and, and we have the building now and um, the food bank has moved in because we also found out that they had to be, there were new owners of their location and they were not renewing the lease. And so they needed a new spot and they are in the building right now um, in, in their, into their second month. And um, it's been, it, it's, it's been a really, really awesome for them and, and uh, it's just an awesome location. They've had 45 more people sign up to the food bank because it's a better location. And the other time it was in a basement, so it's better access. They've changed their hours, so it's weekly. It, it's just a, it's just beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that it just sounds like God's hand is all over this from from yeah. start to finish. Um, yeah, where would the food bank have gone if? Uh, you know, if their lease wasn't renewed and if this offer hadn't fallen through at the last minute and all of these things. Um, and that's beautiful. Um, you know, no plan, but, but hope. I love the way you put that. There's hope and there's a, a vision and a desire to help. So what are some of the things that you hope to, um, in addition, you know, you have the food bank now, what are some of the things you hope to use this space for to help yeah. the home community? That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we are still in, um, in the process. When we met with the mayor and, and the, um, the chief administrative officer, um, and we were sharing our thoughts, and I said to them, I'm also applying for this job at the church called Community Relations Facilitator, and I explained that this person would be, or the, the desire that I, nobody had done this part of the position yet and it was about reaching out into the community sort of bridging the gap into the community from the church and from the community into the church and and um and my desire was to learn about what all the organizations um provided and because in in some of the stuff we could see that there was a gap maybe um some organizations were working together but um you know, everybody's just busy working very hard on their job. So who has time to mm -hmm. do that other stuff? Mm -hmm. Pull it all together. And then they said, actually, today, just before we came in, we posted on our on our um, website from the city that we hired a lady, and her name is Linda, and she's coming, and she's going to be the social development coordinator for the city. And, and then I said, oh, so, you know, you, then you don't necessarily need, you know, my input. And they're like, no, that'd be great if you guys could work together. And wow. um, so we've had a bunch of meetings together and um, it's definitely an awesome um, connection for the use of the building, but also for um, finding out what's going on in, in the community to connect that into the church. Um, to our church. And, um, and so uh, she's been amazing. She, I just love her whole approach. She's not come in with an agenda. She's coming in to facilitate 
and she's connecting, she's doing her job. Like she's connecting all these groups and, and including me in that, which is beautiful. And um, so actually on Thursday, we have a meeting with her and the two city planners to find out sort of what, what am I, what are we allowed to, to facilitate out of that building? And we, with, with Linda already have um, some things that we're going to do, but what more can I do? Because I've been talking with a lot of the different agencies and organizations, but I never know exactly what I may do or not do. So we'll, we're work, it's a work in progress. And um, it, it, it's been so exciting, so incredibly exciting. Yeah, it's the, the verse that comes to my mind is, you know, when Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites in exile and he says, seek the welfare of your city. And, and I think that's so neat for here's a building owned by the church, you know, um, privately owned by a Christian organization that is truly seeking the welfare of the city and using it for uh, good, the good of the whole, everyone. Um Especially the want, it's unfortunate, yeah. I just want to, so Sid and I actually have bought the building. So it's our building. Oh, yours per- personally. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. The church, it, it's just was too complicated to. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's our building, but my team right now that I have that is all, um, you know, Debbie and um, Joel and another um uh, Ted, who's a teacher and is, um, works with um, students who are having difficulty in the regular system, um, but he's a member of the church and another Debbie who's a member of the church and a young, a young woman, um, Michelle, who, who went to Kings and was involved in the MICA Center. Cool. And um, she, I love her, I, just a variety of, of, of ages and ideas and, and um personalities and yeah so yeah wow that's so i know jonathan a little bit from the the, he's the guy who runs the micah center at kings and yeah yeah, that is another beautiful ministry and i love their philosophy too and yeah that oh man it sounds like um yeah through the holy spirit and all of these different perspectives um this sounds like such a uh potent uh vehicle you know for god's grace to your city and um so that's so cool. Um, um, and I just want to add that mm-hmm. um, we've had felt that, um, and we're still, we're working on our mission statement and we, um, diaconal ministries from the CRC has been very, very helpful. And, um, and we probably will have a lady come, um, Eileen from Ontario to help us uh, work through that um, and then become a nonprofit Um so, but we're journeying that yet. We don't, you know, um, but we, we are feeling that this, it's, this will be a place of lifting up the, the, the organizations that are already um, working in the cities, not to start anything new, unless that's what we're called to, but um, lifting up and helping and facilitating what's already going on in the city. And um, our foundation will be that, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and um, He is good, and um, all every you know all the um, our our Christian principles and values. But we will not be preaching 
the gospel there, we will be living the gospel there mm. because all the, you know, a lot of the people that are experiencing homelessness too, that are um, on the streets or in, in um, low income housing, or um, a lot of them have been our first nations and they have not experienced the church in a, in a good way at all. And um, so it's time just to, stop with our words and live with our actions and 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 you know when the 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 presence of god is in us you know we'll you know if god is in you then you you live it and show it and when you need to use words you use words mm-hmm. if, we, if we can pray with people we will we can share we will but that's not the yeah it it just has to be you know, how the Holy Spirit leads. I love, I love that vision. I, I resonate with that so deeply. Um, I, I used, I worked for a couple of years at an organization in the downtown East side called Jacob's Well, um, which has a very similar philosophy. Um, and it makes me think of that verse, you know, from, uh, from, uh, somewhere in the new Testament, you know, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And, uh, and somehow in the last like 100 or 200 years of Christianity, we've gotten that backwards. Like, like we're supposed to uh, say the message and then let people ask like follow-up questions or something. But like the, 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 the heart behind that verse is that we're supposed to be living it so radically that people can't help but be like, what, why are you so different? But we never, we, we didn't, we didn't live it to give people the opportunity to ask the question. So I think that's yes. beautiful. And another thing I've learned from homeless ministry in the past is um, I had a, um, there's a a friend of mine named Aaron White who works at Jacob's Well right now, um, who's done ministry and and lived in the downtown east side of Vancouver for 20 plus years. Um, He said in all of his years of ministry, when he's offered to pray for someone, it's only been turned down once. And, and And he does, and he's not someone who, offers infrequently like he he's someone who will ask you know multiple people multiple times a day a week if not every day so um in all of his years and so it's interesting that and that has a strong indigenous population as well and um so it's so funny we've done so much with tracks and thinking converting people was the goal when in reality um if you ask people to if you can pray for them they they his point was in the inner city, that gets turned down a lot more in the church than on the streets, right? Yeah. So he says, in the church, if you ask someone to pray for them, it's about 50-50, the yes or no. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm fine. Don't worry about, you know, that we hear that in the church all the time. But in the inner city, it, it, for him, 99% of the time, it's been, oh, yes, please. I have this and this and this, and I would love, you know. Anyway, so just yeah. to say, there's so many ways we can be living that gospel. So I, I love that. And in explicitly Christian ways, but we just don't have to do the, I don't know where we got the idea that you had to, everyone had to profess their faith in Jesus, like before they get a meal or whatever, like the old model was, you know, and that's, I say the old model, but that's still how a lot of these agencies in the inner city of Vancouver work. Like it's, it's funny. Not that that, and I'm not dissing that either. I mean, a lot of people have come to Christ through that too. Um, But I, but, but I do generally agree with your, your insight that, um, um, that, uh, it's time, it's time to act and talk, um, act first and talk later kind of thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Lead with our actions. I think that's beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, so this reminds me of one of the questions Wilma had uh, for you and for us. Um, she says, what is that adjective servant in front of leadership mean? So the topic we're talking about, the umbrella we're under for this week, this month is servant leadership. And what, is it, what does that mean to you to have the adjective servant before leadership? Yeah, um, I was thinking about that. And, um, you know, I, I, I actually was thinking about how servant and leadership almost seem like two opposites. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you serve and you lead. And how do you do that together? I don't know. I was thinking about my myself. And when I grew up, you know, my mom was very much uh, like she served people. Like she, she, she always cared about people. Like even as I was probably like eight years old, she would encourage my, my, um, there was my brother and sister that are, were about all close in age to visit an, an, an elderly man that lived across the road and, you know, he was alone. And, and so we did, we would visit him just every once in a while, the, us kids would just go visit him and, and had a relationship. And so it probably started early. Um, um, yeah. And then I think, you know, my Sid's parents have, have showed a, a whole long life of, of serving. And um, so you know, it, you when you experience that and see that, that becomes part of your life. Um, but and then the leadership part of it, I, I think that it's, um, you know, and um, when I was um, chairing that one year, um, I was reading um, from Matthew. Um, let me find it here, Matthew. Um, 18 and it talked about um, so I was doing a devotional for a congregational meeting and and um, part of my devotions before that meeting um, was um, I don't know I I read this so it talks about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and you know he calls a child and he says I'll tell you the truth unless you change and become like the little little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven Therefore, who humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then I was sharing this with my friend, Debbie, and um, she said, oh, she said, I was just reading from Luke 22. And then, and so I went there and she said, that also talks about the greatest and the least. And um, so I went to that and um, it's just after they have the last supper together. And then it says like, we do as humans, a dispute arose among them as to who was considered to be the greatest. But this part of it, so then I could read the whole thing. You could read it, you know, people can read it themselves. It's Luke 22, 24. But then um, it says, um, um, instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? So the one who serves is the greatest. Then he says, but I am among you as one who serves. And then this part, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And this is the, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me. I've never read that before, ever. And I'm like, so God's saying, if you 
serve, you're, you will be given the authority. And the authority is that I'm, I'm conferring a kingdom on you. And I'm thinking, you know, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's saying, I'm going to confer a kingdom on you. So he's going to give you, when you serve, he's going to give you that kingdom authority. I can't, I still can't wrap my head around that. Wow. That's huge, but it's in the serving. But, you know, in the serving, you know, if you are, if you, whatever, what you humble yourself, you, you can clean the toilets. Like if you can do that, you can sit on the throne. Like it's, it's that, that kind of, uh, but when you clean the toilets, it, when it'll just, or whatever, you know, something where you feel like it's lesser than you or something, some, but when you do that, just like when we met in the kitchen and people were preparing the meals, there was such joy. I'd also been um, involved in a, in a ministry called Field of Faith pre-COVID. Um, and our church had been involved. We had made, we made a meal in, uh, once a week. Our church was involved in making it for two of those, two of those weeks. Um, and we would make the meal in the church kitchen and then it would go out to the park to feed those who are experiencing homelessness. And, and uh, that was just a really, uh, also a really um, learning experience of, of, about those experiencing homelessness and but just also the when we would meet in the kitchen to prepare um like we had just so many people who wanted to help and it was just I would leave that kitchen every week and be filled with joy like it was supernatural they were they were making a meal that they weren't even going to eat but they 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 all exuded such joy because I think just because that was the serving, the serving brings the joy. So the, and then I don't know, I don't know how God does it, but it's, 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 that's where you get the authority. Wow. Wow. That is so mind blowing <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, it flips like Jesus always does, right? It flips it right up upside down. And even Wilma's question, she said, what does the adjective servant in front of leadership mean? But in what you're sharing, it almost reverses that too. We're like, servant isn't really the adjective. Servant is the, the thing. <laughs> exactly. It's not, a, it's not a modifier. It's the, that's the main course. And that's where leadership comes from, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I like so how backwards. you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, this comes from what you're sharing. Like, just get my mind just spinning. It, it's so profound. But and so countercultural and, and but so deeply, yeah. Uh, you could just mine that that um, paradox or or upside down thinking forever. Um, I know. Yeah, I, I also love that you said it's it's our serving that confers on us the kingdom. I yeah. never thought of that either. We I, we often even in seminary, right? They'll talk about you're given this high calling of leadership, so make sure you do it in a servant hearted way. Right. Um, but again, that verse from Luke really seems to flip that upside down too. who, who are the leaders in the kingdom? Are they the people that the CRC has, uh, you know, given the stamp of approval because we went to seminary for, for three years or, or is God, is God giving his approval to the people that are living it, to the people that yeah. are serving, to the people that are, um, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. 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 It, it just totally affected me in a profound way. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so Wilma also wonders, you know, what's easy about servant leadership? What's hard and what sustains you? Oh, yeah. And that's a great question. Um, servant, yeah, I, I would say, you know, in, in serving, that's exciting because it, it just brings joy. It brings like a joy that you can't get from, you know, I mean, I would love to go to whatever a warm place and lay in, you know, but, and that gives you happiness, but this gives you a deep joy. Mm -hmm. um, what's hard about it is, is um, finding the balance. Like you need to um, keep the balance of you serve, but if you, if you, if you don't keep a balance, then you start, um, I don't know, it, maybe it ends up starting being, um, it drains you and then, then your it affects your spirit if you know if you get drained i would i um that's one thing i've always admired about um pastor joel is he he and maybe he uh, he doesn't feel like this but i feel like he's he's always um been disciplined about you know there's the time off like his day off and and doing and exercise and and he's taught that to us like you you the the disciplines of of, of quiet time or meditation and um, exercise. And uh, so that's been a, a great example to me. Um, so, but I, I'm starting to recognize when I'm losing my, my joy or when it it's getting off balance. And then I'm like, sometimes, and I maybe sometimes see people having or doing something and I'm like, I'd like to do that. And then I'm like, Oh, maybe you got to address that. Like, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. um, a, a number of years ago, I did a, a, a book called um, Silence and Solitude by Ruth Bailey, Bar Ruth Barton. Um, I can't think of her full name. <laughs> In fact, Wilma just did a podcast about with another book from her. I heard that name. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, in there, she, she journeys you through taking times of, quiet time and and just hearing your heart and or, or listening to God like just quiet your heart what's God saying just but you quiet yourself because when and when you do that it's so difficult your head will just start going yeah and start thinking about everything else and, mm -hmm. and then and it's also unnerving because you start having to deal with stuff and um but I know now or and I have to keep keep on that but you know why I start losing that that peace or that, that joy, or my, if I'm starting to feel like I'm resenting something or looking longingly at, you know, other, I don't know, just different things. I'm like, okay, stop. You need to sit with God. You need to deal with it. You, you need to slow down. You need to just have time with God again, or just quiet time, or just get that balance again. And um, I find that's a hard thing because that's, you know, it, even in the doing and the serving, that's, that's, you can keep doing that and maybe feel more useful and successful. And, but it, it's not going to sustain if you don't do the balance. 
That's wonderful. Yeah. My small group right now is, is reading a really great book. I highly recommend it called the symphony of mission. Um, It's a fantastic book. Uh, He uses this metaphor of the symphony. um, The the subtitle is playing your part in God's work in the world. It's by Michael Goheen and Jim Mullins. Um, Anyway, um, it's, it's this beautiful reminder um, through the metaphor of the symphony that we all have our unique role, you know, um, but how, it, but just how, how beautiful mission ought to be. I think that was a big takeaway for me, but anyway, we just finished his last chapter on Sabbath um, and how you, how you persevere when the going gets tough in mission, because it's not always easy. So it's about Sabbath and it was about lament and just um, like exactly what you're saying, sitting in it with these, these difficult feelings and, and trusting that, you know, um, sometimes God does amazing things all at once. And other times you're just in the long haul with the slog, you know. And um, so it just reminds me of that, what you're sharing. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, um, but it's so good. Um, yeah. And it's, again, that's also countercultural, right? When we're like yeah. a now society to plug in and wait. And yeah, so yeah. that's a beautiful reminder. Um, yeah. One question that... Um, we don't have on the list, but I like to wrap up every episode with, um, you know, in you, in your experience as a chair of council, um, leading celebrate recovery. And now with this space, it could touch on any of these things, but, um, the sense, my sense is that, you know, our curators always pick guests because they have something to share. And we've already been gifted with so much from you, um, in just this short conversation, but I wonder if there's anything in particular you would like to gift the church with, challenge the church with. Um, this podcast is specifically for BC Christian Reformed churches, um, but anyone can listen to it. And it is so. Is there anything you'd love to just challenge the church more broadly to lean into, press into um, more? Yeah. Okay, I hadn't thought about that, but one yeah. thing okay. I probably because of, you know, um, being chair or being an elder, um, being involved in the um, um, field of faith and now with the building and also having this role of community relations facilitator for our church. Um, I guess I, and, and, and other like being involved in diaconal ministries, this is not unique to what we're, you know, it's not unique to hear, but just the, the, maybe the challenge or, and the encouragement to um, embrace our community. Like, I love that verse that you used from Jeremiah, Jeremiah at the beginning, that we, we em, embrace what's happening there, that we make our, that we, we become knowledgeable about, about what's going on. And all these people that are working so hard, you know, I don't know what most of their beliefs are, um, whether they believe in God or not, but whether they do or don't, they are working very hard because they, there's, you know, a, a part of us in, are created to, to, to do good and to help others and, and, um, and, and they are, but just that I feel like um, what I'm seeing and I'm, I'm just like, just um, sort of being humbled by how much I didn't know what was going on in the community. Like 
how much I didn't know how hard people were working and what they were giving and that we um, really, really like, um, I just have to share one more scripture that mm. became um, a real eye opener to me. And it's from um, Zechariah four. And um, this whole journey, I've been talking about walking in step with the spirit, you know, um, all, you know, maybe before, but especially the, with the building, mm. it's like God saying, just hear from me today and do today what I'm calling you to do. And when I look like in the future, it's like scares me, overwhelms me, but I have to stop just today, just today. So it's walking. It's not lagging. It's not going ahead, but it's staying in step. And then um, from um, Zerub, uh, from um, Zechariah, then that, that verse where it says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. So it's not by our own might. It's not by our own power, but it's by the spirit of God. But you go right down to the bottom of that passage and never, never heard this before. I don't know. And I don't know if this is the intense, but it sure spoke to me. Um, then, um, Jeremiah asked the angel, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? And he replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the world of all the earth. I'm like, well, who are the two? Well, it's Zerubbabel and Joshua. Zerubbabel is the civil leader. Joshua is the high priest. And I just heard God saying, it's time for the civil, the city, the, the, the community, and the faith community, the high priest. It's time to work together, to join together, and my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's like crazy to me, <laughs> like crazy. I have like shivers running up and down my, my, my spine. I in Revelation, also he says the the um, oh, he says the 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 cities of man are becoming the cities of our God or something like that. The governments yeah. of man are becoming the you know like yeah. it's so powerful and what a vision and how yeah. that's linked. You know, I we 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 did this so utterly backwards in the history of Christian colonialism, right? That's what our indigenous friends and, and be, because we, we united them, we united Christianity as a political force of power from the top down. But if you take your vision, which is one that from the bottom up servant leadership, how can we love you? How can we work together? What do you need? And how can we uh, provide that, you know, out of love and out of service, not out of, you know, we know what you need and we'll just impose it on you and on your community. Um, oh man, that, exactly. that is so, so cool. Yeah. 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 What a witness. Yeah. Yeah. All these, all these passages, sometimes I'm like, I grew up with the Bible my whole life and I'm like, I never read that. I never read Absolutely. that. Yeah. I, I did um, actually six years of seminary cause I did a degree at Regent and then I went to Calvin and, um, and yet, 
this is all new. The things you're sharing are, are blowing my mind as well. Things I missed and things I haven't noticed before. And wow. So yeah, I feel really blessed by it as well. Um, yeah, man, what a wonderful chat, uh, opportunity to connect. And yeah. Um, yeah, I pray and I hope, and I also am quite sure this chat will bless our listeners as well. Um, so thank you, Sharon, so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom and and more than that, for um, you're sharing um, what you've, you've em, what you're embodying, right? Not just good ideas, but this is your life. You're practicing it. And so thank you so much for sharing that with us uh, today. Thank you. Thank you. It was so great to talk to you. And I appreciate some of the stuff that you shared. And I'll, um, I'll, I will be looking up that book and <laughs> some of the other stuff you shared. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Likewise. Likewise. Um, and yeah, we will, we will meet again, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Cause you're coming up. That's right. You're going to, you're going to, that's right. We, I, I have to now. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much. Sharon. Oh, thank you. And um, have a great day and we'll talk soon. You too. On today's show, you heard Sharon Banstra, community relations facilitator and current community space owner in Terrace, British Columbia. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom and your thoughts with me this week, Sharon. If you are a listener to the podcast and you or someone you know has a story that you would like to share with the podcast, Someone in the British Columbia Christian Reformed Church who has a heart for God's kingdom, who fits uh, however well into one of those five callings, um, please reach out to us. You can find the contact info on our website, crconelife.ca, and there you can also find a whole bunch of awesome resources, uh, events, links, calendars, and bios. It's a great way to be connected. And one more thing before you go, um, we would love if you could search us up on iTunes and leave us a rating. That makes a huge difference in the ability for other people to discover and find this show both in and outside the Christian Reformed Church. And just tell a friend about us if you enjoy it. Uh, that, that would go a long way. Share with me your troubles, sister. Share